Is it actually possible to master your life? I've got Jake Kaufman here on episode 28 of No Boring Stories. Let's get into it. Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know that you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. That's why I'm here. Each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools, all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories, just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and I've never been to summer camp. Today on the show, we've got Jake Kaufman. He is a high-performance coach for entrepreneurs, the founder and CEO of the Conscious Coach Experience and author of upcoming book, Love Me. His mission is to support one million men as they master themselves and their lives so that they can achieve a pinnacle experience of life. Jake and I get into it. We go all through his story, obviously, going back before the before to the very key moment that shifted everything for him, as we do. But we also get into really what's the most important question that you could ask yourself as you go forward in this life. I'm telling you, there is gold here in this episode. You're going to love it if you are looking for that key thing that's going to move you forward, I'm sure it's going to be found here in this conversation. If something jumps out to you here, then please share this episode, rate it, go review it. It all makes a massive difference. I'm so grateful that you're here to engage with these not boring stories. And I know you're going to enjoy this conversation with Jake Kaufman. Welcome back to the No Boring Stories podcast. I am Alex Street and I'm joined today by Jacob Kaufman. How are you, Jacob? How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. Mm-hmm. It is so good. We have had some amazing conversations already between you and me talking all things all about life. I feel like we're already fast friends. So good. I got to ask you right off the bat, you've got this light behind you on the wall that says more love. Is this like, this is the simplest way for people to understand what I'm about? Like why? Why that? Why there? Yeah, well, I mean, full disclosure, this is actually my girlfriend Carrie's office. <laughs> yes. So I, I totally can't take credit for the sign, but it is kind of perfect because I do have a book coming out in the spring of 2022 called Love Me. So it fits. Okay, there we go. Love that. I didn't even plan for that pitch, but we got there. That's uh, <laughs> there that's go. amazing. Uh, we want to talk about that. I assume that's going to contain your story in it, a good chunk of your story. Am I right in that that book? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, it's a story of overcoming shame. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my story of having gone through sexual abuse growing up as a young kid, as a young teenager. And the journey that I had to go through in order to heal, to be able to get to where I am today, to support entrepreneurs uh, and world-class coaches in the way that I do. Oh, baby. Look at this. Okay. So you just packaged essentially your story. You just opened up all these, these loops that we want to know now, like, whoa, tell me about that. Tell me about that. How do you transform from there to here? How do you get through that? Mm. Absolutely brilliant stuff. So that's just a little teaser. Um, as we get into this, but I want to start because I, I did ask you, you know, tell me some of your favorite stories and you gave me this specific scene. I don't think anybody's got as specific as you did. Mm. You said the untouchables scenes, the scene in the untouchables movie between Sean Connery and Kevin Costner in the church. And I was telling you earlier, I like, I think I, I saw that movie once when I was like 12 years old. Sure. I don't know if that's too young to see that movie, but I don't remember this Probably. scene. So, so, <laughs> there was no rules in my house. It was the wild, wild west. And so uh, tell, me, tell me, what is it about this scene, whether you want to describe the scene or not, or just really what came out of that? Why does that, that specific moment stick with you? It's a really good question. So for those of you who are listening and aren't familiar with the movie, The Untouchables is the story of Elliot Ness, uh, who's a federal treasury officer back in the, you know, the roaring 20s who is tasked to take down Al Capone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Elliot Ness is played by Kevin Costner. Um, and then Al Capone is played by Robert De Niro. It's truly an amazing, amazing movie. It was, yeah. I think it was filmed in the early to mid eighties. Um, and there's this pivotal moment early on in the movie 
where Sean Connery, who plays a beat cop, who's part of Kevin Costner's task force assigned to take down Al Capone. It's just an incredible cast, first of it's all. It's incredible I mean, it's cast. It's just loaded. Oh, yeah. and, and, Andy yeah. Garcia. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. And Sean Connery takes Kevin Costner aside and he says, we need to go talk. And the scene cuts. And what you see next is them sitting in a church and Sean Connery is fiddling with a rosary. And he asks him, do you really want to get Capone? Do you really want to get him? And he says, Kevin Costner, that is, um, you know, says, yes, of course, I want to get Capone. And he goes, so what are you prepared to do? And Kevin Costner gives him, you know, some, Mm -hmm. you know, straight line police academy regurgitated, you know, line about how he's willing to do anything within the law by any means necessary to get him. Right. And then Sean Connery just simply looks at him and goes, and then what are you prepared to do? Except in a Sean Connery voice. And then what are you prepared to do? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You, you did that great. Nailed it. And he, you know, so he says, and then what are you prepared to do? And it's a really pivotal moment for Kevin Costner because up until that point, you get this sense that he wasn't willing to do absolutely everything necessary in order to get him. And Sean Connery goes on to say, if you open up the door on these people, Mr. Ness, they're not going to stop until one of you is dead. So if you want to get Capone, I'll tell you how to get him. One of his guys pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He puts one of yours in the hospital, you put one of his in the morgue. That's how you get Capone. That's the Chicago way. So what are you prepared to do? And I think this paints this perfect depiction mm-hmm. of how people approach their dreams and their purpose and living their life because the vast majority of people say mm-hmm. that they want to live an absolutely extraordinary life and to leave an incredible lasting legacy but very few people's actions actually line up with that statement with that sentiment yeah and that's why they say people are never what they say, but always what they do. Mm. It's because it's our... Go ahead. Well, I was, I was, I'm just reminded of a, a client that I've, I've been working with, and, and they're going through this, this journey, really, that's been like kind of 18 months, at least as, as I've known them, Sure. to, to hire people and say, I'm ready to do this. I'm ready to change. I know what I need to do. Like, uh, you know, they're, they're around midlife 45 to 55 and saying, um, this is, it's time for a change. And I know that I've got these gifts. And so they hired me as one of those coaches in their circle and, and to really say, okay, how do I use my story going forward? And it was just recently in the last session that, uh, we realized, all these choices that you've made, you're coming up against the most significant moment. Sure. And it's so difficult right now because it is the climax of the story. It is the messy middle. It is this moment where you feel like you've made every decision necessary, Mm -hmm. but it's still lacking. And you're still wondering why is it so hard? And it's because to Sean Connery's point, you haven't gone to the full extent. Right. You haven't fully committed to this. 100%. And the reason for that is primarily because that person's beliefs and their identity are not in alignment with the results that they say they are committed to creating. Okay, that sounded like a lot of big words. So put that really practically. Their beliefs and their identity identity are not in alignment with their desired outcome, right? Because... So they've got this picture, but they're not living as if that picture is actually them yet. Correct. There's a lack of congruence that's occurring. Mm. 
because what we say we want is connected to our conscious mind, but what we actually do is connected to our subconscious mind. So if there's a gap between what you say you really truly deeply want yeah. and your actions, if you don't have it, or if you're not making significant progress towards it in the direction of it, that means that there's a lack of congruence or a lack of harmony between your subconscious beliefs and your conscious desires, yeah. which means you're which means you're fighting an uphill battle. Yeah. Well, this is the the fascinating part about storytelling for me is sometimes we can we tell stories often in the past, right? And we we often that's that's really what it is. It's like this is what happened. And story is it's about past events. This was my experience, and now I'm going to tell it to create right. a new future for me, for you, whatever that is. There's this beautiful give and take between the past and the future of what storytelling is. And sometimes it feels like we're we see a different version of the character in the future right and so we're frustrated right now because we're not that right and we sit here and you probably face this with so many of your clients and i know that i do we sit here in this place of of absolute like discomfort frustration because we're like i'm not where i'm supposed to be what's going wrong and yet the fact that you see a new version of that means that you like there's almost a sense where it's like no you are on the right path because you do see that otherwise you're in a state of despair and you don't see a new future you don't see a next chapter yeah i mean i think that god doesn't call you to a game that you can't play Mm. a lot of people have an incredible vision for what they want to accomplish but they don't take action because of that lack of congruence which is primarily driven by doubt and fear without realizing that they wouldn't have the vision to begin with if they weren't capable of actually achieving it. Oh boy. Okay. So here you sit as somebody who is, I assume living in the vision that you once saw for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and this is where we right, can dive deeper into, into my story because absolutely. You know, so wait, so so tell me so like what is it that you're doing now? Like what how how are you helping people I assume, you know, doing what we've just been talking about, finding congruence, finding alignment to actually put actions towards their goals is how are you showing up and helping people today and what's the impact that you're seeing? And I love that question. Um so hmm. I think of myself as a legacy architect and I support the top male entrepreneurs and coaches and world-class leaders in the online space. You know, people who have a moonshot idea that far surpasses where they are in this moment. And they fully understand and recognize that who they are right now in this moment is not who they need to be in order to accomplish their long-term goal. Yeah. And so I fast track them to be able to ultimately accomplish that goal in say one year, as opposed to five. Mm -hmm. So who I am is not who I need to be. And you will help me become who I need to be in order to see. (laughs) Right. Because if you were that reality, right. If you were who you needed to be in order to accomplish your 10 year goal, you would have done it already. Right. Right. You would have done it already. So you need to become someone other than who you are right now. You need to become someone different if you ever hope to accomplish that. Right. There's a wonderful story actually in the Bible that talks about this. And I'm, you know, I'm not a religious person, but mm-hmm. it's a really brilliant line that's often glossed over in the Bible where it talks about King David. Mm-hmm. If you're familiar with the story of David, he was just a commoner. So the idea of a commoner becoming king back then was absolutely ludicrous. It was ludicrous. It never happened. But early on when David was really young, well before he ever became king of Israel, there's this beautiful little line that says, and David perceived he was king. Meaning he had the vision for it long before it ever occurred. 
And all he needed to do at that point was become that person. Yeah. Insofar that he aligned his identity to becoming a king, mm. and eventually he did. That is fascinating because, I mean, yeah, I, I love the story of David, his ups and downs, and everything that goes with it. And uh, even the, looking at David and Goliath, you know, he shows up as this, like he's forgotten as one of 11 kids or whatever number it right. was. And he's yeah, left exactly. back at the farm while all this, the big strong brothers go to war yep. and all those guys get looked over. Yep. And then David shows up and is like, Hey guys, I've got a message for you. Who wants some <laughs> snacks? Right. And, and, the, <laughs> and they're like, you, right. you're the one to fight Goliath. And he's like, say what? Right. And, and you know the, how the story goes. So yeah, it's this, right. it's this, almost accidental opportunity but you're saying yeah this line of david perceived himself in this right. way is what allowed him to step into it right exactly so many people see it as this accident yeah. more or less but it wasn't because he like i said he perceived himself as king he had the vision for it long before it ever happened and then he yeah. aligned he aligned his attitude his energy and his actions toward that goal uh -huh. of becoming the king of Israel yeah. and eventually he did there's stories about this yeah all over the place mike tyson used to walk around the bronx when he was 15 years old telling everybody that he was going to be the next heavyweight champion of the world or the youngest heavyweight champion champion of the world and 6 years later at 21 years old he was yeah yeah. He spoke into it long before, long before it ever occurred, right? And he just aligned his, like I mentioned, his attitude, yeah. his energy, yeah. and his actions to that goal. So so where does that, that idea of becoming, sure. becoming someone, you know, let's becoming king, becoming who you are mm -hmm. now, that's a significant piece and a significant gift that you give to people. Where does that begin for you go way back right go to childhood go to teenage years whatever it is where does this idea of like you had a vision yep. that either began then or you realize i need to develop a vision because things aren't going as as planned this this idea of becoming uh essentially becoming someone you're not where does that begin for you yeah well i mean i think it's important to understand first and foremost that the vast majority of the world makes decisions from the space of their current circumstances huh. rather rather than their vision and what they're committed to right uh, and so for me it, it really started when i first invested in my personal development because i woke up one day i was 29 years old i was almost 30 i was serving tables at a restaurant in Chicago, living out these historical toxic behavior patterns that stemmed from the beliefs I created about myself as a result of the abuse that I experienced early on in my life. Well, see this. So, so to interrupt, this is yeah. what's so interesting about, about, about this and you and your story where I'm like, where does, where does this idea begin? And like, it begins at 29 and you just elude, you're like, which actually stems back Correct. Here. So yeah. I, I want to come back because what I'm sensing here is that this, this 29 years old, when I began to invest in personal development, you're probably getting to something really good there that yeah. we're going to come back to. Now it's almost, we just tease that. We're like, yeah. come back to that. Cause I want to go back further then and say, yeah. Okay. So what is that? And you can tell, you know, as much as you want to go into this story, but it's mm -hmm. those beliefs, those beliefs that needed to be reframed. Right. Were yeah. formed. 100%. Yeah. And it even goes back further than, than my abuse. It, yeah, actually of course. Started, it actually started when I was two years old. Right? They say that um, the vast majority of your cognitive development happens between the ages of two and seven. Yeah. And this is when our beliefs and our identity are formed, which dictates how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others, and how we ultimately relate to ourselves and others. Yeah. So my yeah, there's like, there's, there's between yep. one and two, you're, you're testing between, no, between one and two, you're tasting. Yep. 
you're putting everything in your mouth between two and seven ish, you're testing and you're pushing all the boundaries and, and then between seven and 10 ish, right. It's all, you're, you're putting all that into concrete formation now and saying, Oh, well, this is how the world works now. And so, yeah, right. In that space here, you are. Right. And that's where your personality is being developed, Mm -hmm. um, which eventually leads to your character. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is Latin for set in stone. So for is me, it? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. Character. Character. Who you truly are. Oof. Right. We'll come oh back God. to that later on uh-huh. down the road when I talk <laughs> about, you know, what I'm up to now and what I'm in creation of right now. And yeah, fabulous. Why I'm, why I'm doing that because it has everything to do with character. But okay. going back to when I was two years old, you know, my earliest memory is of getting lost at a resort with my parents when I was two. And it was, it went on for quite a while. And while I was lost, you know, all of the condominiums looked exactly the same. Uh, And as a two-year-old, I forgot which one, you know, my family was in. And I went up to a condominium where I thought they were. And I, you know, knocked on the door as as best a two-year-old possibly could at that time. And someone opened the door and said, wrong place kid and shut the door on me and so of course as a two-year-old i need to interpret and make meaning of this experience right having the door closed on me getting lost in the first place right Right. where are mom and dad are they even looking for me do they even care and obviously of course they do my parents are incredible but at two years old you don't have the cognitive functioning to really be able to discern all of these things that as adults we you know empirically understand and then there's this jerk who shuts the door on a two-year-old. Correct. Right. And so, of course, I, as you can imagine, I, I interpreted that in a very self-defeating way, which caused me to make up this belief, which is, is the concept of uh, the core wound that we support so many of our clients through, mm-hmm. uh, which is deeper than this you know, inherent story that I'm not good enough because everybody has that story. But so many coaches think that think that that is the root of the issue, which it's really not. That's what the ego uses to hide the root of the issue from us. Yeah. And so the belief that I made up in that moment at two, at such a young age was, I don't belong here. Mm. And so that belief got planted into my psyche. And so you can imagine fast forward 10 years later when I'm at Christian summer camp and I wake up and I'm informed by all of my friends in my life who were in the same cabin that I was in that, hey, this guy just stuck his penis in your mouth. That belief became crystallized. Yeah. I interpreted that experience through the lens of what happened to me when I was two. And in that moment, my ego got to say, see, this is why you don't belong here. Yeah. Because here's not safe. Yeah. I was taken advantage of. None of my friends had my back. And so my identity was built upon this belief and so in I that, took- in that space, can you take me, take me, take me into that just for a second? Is it more about the, the community? Not, as you said, my friends didn't support me. So there's, there's this community or, uh, is it more about, you know, the, the act and the person? Yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, just some, just some context, you know, whenever something painful or traumatic happens to us, right? Um, like I mentioned, we need to make meaning of it. Yeah. But there's different facets to it. There's what happened before the event leading up to it. There's what actually happened. There is what was going around you when yeah. it happened. And then there's what took place after the fact. Right? Yeah. Um, and so obviously what took place before it happened was this event when I was two years old, where I made up this belief around how I don't belong here or how I don't fit in. Uh huh. So there's, there's what was going on before the situation. There's then what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Right, what happened before the incident was this 
painful event when I was two years old where I created this belief. As you can imagine, it caused me to feel like the black sheep of the family and therefore act like the black sheep of the family. Then you had the abuse itself that occurred. You had what was going on around me, which was none of my friends sticking up for me. And then you had what happened after the fact, which is I was bullied for what happened. Because there were a lot of people there. Everyone knew about it. I grew up in a town of a thousand people. So, of course, I ended up being bullied. All of which, you know, compounded together or compiled together, excuse me, formed this identity based on the belief that I don't belong here or I don't fit in or I'm not fully accepted for who I am. And so, as you can imagine, that belief became the basis for a lot of my decisions in life. Yeah. Yeah. Because how does that, you know, belong here? Is that a, is that a, but here, kind of big picture, you know, big, I don't belong here as existence or did it in it and, or, uh, was it, you know, in this very room, in this space, in every space that I enter into, I'm different. I don't belong. Yeah. It, it was more so to do with, um, you know, community. Yeah. Um, or, yeah. or or my family or my group of friends. Not necessarily I don't belong here as an earth or as, you know, to exist. Um, but as you can imagine, that caused me to, you know, I graduated high school. I I was the kid who got out of there, said yeah. he was going to get out of there, got out of there, recycled groups of friends for years, got fired from every corporate job I ever had because I would find a place of belonging yeah. and eventually I would sabotage it. Because what does that look like? What does that look like, like? Like, like pick, yeah. Pick a moment, pick a job that you got fired from that you like, yeah, I needed, I sabotaged it. I didn't hand in the report on time. I what it like. Totally. I mean, for me, that looked like pushing the boundaries of, of what I was, you know, the, you know, the authority that I was, I was given or the decision-making power that I was given. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I, I never, uh, it's not, it's not like I ever, uh, stole from a company or anything like that. Um, it was much more, it was much more subtle and arguably much more sinister because, um, it was, it was, it was never anything overtly conscious that I did to sabotage the situation. It was always, right kind of this subconscious decision that I made um, that ended up costing me my job or that ended up costing me um, that group of friends. And in a lot of instances, it was really just a fear of intimacy that prevented me from going deep with that group of friends. And Uh so I was kind of always on the outside looking in. So would you get frustrated when you did get fired or lost or weren't invited somewhere would you get frustrated or were you like yeah well of course this is this is the way it is well it's interesting that you bring that up no because at the time i was unaware of this belief mm-hmm. so i started to make up stories about myself right there must be something wrong with me right. you know i can't get it right i can never get it right um and so <clears throat> it took the awareness of that belief to finally realize why I was doing what I was doing. Yeah. Pushing people away, keeping people at arm's length because I was terrified of intimacy because in my experience, intimacy meant opening myself up to be taken advantage of again. If you're like me, you might be showing up consistently, but you still feel all the fears and frustration of public speaking. I used to hold myself back because of this, but now as I show up more authentically than ever, I'm making more impact than ever, and I want to help you do the same. That's why I created the Fearless Speakers Academy membership. 
a safe space where you can not only identify the exact fears that are holding you back from showing up, but also work on all the greatest tips and tricks that I've learned over 30 years as a performer and 20 years as a public speaker to captivate any audience. So you can show up with confidence online, on video, on a podcast, or on stage wherever you find yourself today to use your voice and stand out from the crowd. In this membership, you'll get two live group coaching calls from me every month, as well as ongoing support through the community and all kinds of worksheets, downloads, challenges, and bonus offers along the way. It's only $15 a month. And if you go to fearlessspeakersacademy.com slash no BS, then you'll even get the first two weeks free to give it a shot and see just how much value is in there. Again, after that, it's only $15 a month. I don't think there's a better deal on the planet. Go to fearlessspeakersacademy.com slash no BS so that you can face your fears, make speaking magical, and tell a better story. So, I mean, isn't that so interesting? Because some people are are listening to this and they're hearing this and they're in that space of why does this keep happening to me? There's something wrong about me. There's, I can't do this. I won't. And then it forms, as you said, this, you know, might feel like a deep layer of, oh, it's this deep belief that I'm not good enough. And you're like, right. you, you might get there and start to think that, but there's something below that. That's something before the before, right? There's something... Uh, below that, that is actually creating that new story that you're living out. 100%. And for you, then you get to 29 years old, starting this right. self-development yeah. discovery, and it opens up all of this. 100%. Yeah. I, like I mentioned, I woke up, I was 29 years old. I was serving tables in a restaurant Yeah. and I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like I'm almost 30 and I'm serving tables. I'm at a dead end job. And all that I knew at the time was that I needed to change, was that I personally needed to change because I was constantly changing my environment and my circumstances, new place, different job, et cetera, et cetera. But I was continuing to live out the same patterns, right? The same patterns that just had me continue to push people away, uh, that had me fear intimacy. And so all I knew was that I needed to change. and, And that was this defining moment, right? And we come back to the story of, you know, Sean Connery and Kevin Costner in the church, yes. which, is, yes. which is this defining moment, this point of no return moment where it is, you say you're committed, but what are you going to do now? And and for me, that resulted in, you know, me investing in my personal development, I literally uprooted my life, I moved out to LA to literally make it my life. (laughs) Um, And I've been in the space ever since, because I knew I needed to become a different person, if I ultimately wanted to accomplish my vision, who I was in that moment was not who I needed to be. And so I had to change. What do you... What do you say? There's something that's coming up, honestly, for me about this idea of become a different person. And and I, I'd love to explore it a little bit because there, you know, the narrative really is not who you are is good enough. Like you don't need to change. And yet also, like Bob Goff says, you know, the the the, the advice written in your yearbook, never change, is the worst advice anybody could ever give you because you have to change. Change totally. is inevitable. Change is change is storytelling change is life totally and so for those of us sitting here saying like you're telling me to become a different person what do you mean right. come on i was no i'm good i just need to make a little tweak here or there right well i mean it just kind of depends on what you want to accomplish right if you want extraordinary right that's going to require that you extraordinary change extraordinary yeah. commitment extraordinary transformation yeah so it just depends on what you really want to accomplish, right? Some people are okay with a little bit more money or a little bit more impact or a little bit more whatever, right? Yeah. Three vacations a year instead of two, right? Yeah, <laughs> whatever yeah, that is. Yeah. Totally you know, different person. <laughs> correct. But for those people listening to your podcast, I'm assuming that they want massive change, 
massive transformation, massive results, which is going to require massive shifts, massive investments, massive commitment. Yeah. So, you know, I think Breaking Bad, if you're familiar with with oh, yes. the with the TV show, actually paints this picture really well, and it just simply serves as another analogy uh, to it. piggyback off of uh, the breaking. Uh, excuse me, the example that we gave with the scene in The Untouchables, yeah. where it was like this point of no return experience. If you remember in the film, uh, Walter White starts off as this loving family man, community member high school teacher, yep. very toe the line kind of upstanding middle-class guy. And he, you know, he starts to sell uh, methamphetamine to, you know, be able to pay for his, his cancer, um, uh, cancer treatment. Yeah. And he starts to dabble in it. Right. And he goes down the path and he gets connected to some drug dealers and, you know, drug suppliers and all these other things. And there's this moment where he, he gets in trouble. He's got his, you know, business partner, Jesse, and this career criminal, um, <clears throat> who in the movies is named Saul, uh, they get in trouble, and he looks at Walter White, who's still towing this line, and you can tell yeah. that there's inner that there's still this inner conflict going on, this tension, this pull between Walter White, the family man, yeah, and Walter White, the criminal, yeah, <clears throat> and so there's this tension, this conflict that's very very evident and it's a beautiful moment in film because i think it paints a perfect picture about what really needs to happen if you truly want to accomplish the extraordinary and fulfill your dreams and live up to your potential saul looks at him and he goes walter no more half measures <sighs> and if you remember the scene at that is the pivotal moment uh -huh. where his identity firmly and completely shifts into Walter White, the criminal. Yeah. And if you remember in the show, he takes on the moniker uh -huh. of Heisenberg. Heisenberg with the hat. With the hat. Heisenberg. So the, I, I can't even remember who the, the creators of the film are or of the TV show are, but it was just a brilliant Mm -hmm. depiction of what has to happen what had to occur in order for that shift to take place and i would argue that for each of us there's this moment that we are given a choice it's this blue pill red pill moment mm -hmm. where we're given an opportunity to pursue our dreams in a way in an incredible way that will absolutely result in a point of no return experience, a life before and a life after moment. This is, it's so fascinating. Of course, you talk Breaking Bad, man, I'm in for this. Like it, I, was, <laughs> I was there watching it live. We had a big party. I made fake crystal meth for the party. Like <laughs> that's like candy that we could eat. Like that was the, for the finale. Did not do meth. Um, right. The... And, and in that show specifically, you see this this uh, counter story of Jesse, who is this yep. deadbeat, and then he actually almost goes the opposite direction, kind of as they're going, and becomes this person who who starts right. to to try to at least get better, try right. to at least be somewhat of a citizen um, right. that he wasn't before. But all of this in all storytelling, in your story, Jacob, in Walter White's story, in uh, Elliot Ness's story, what we attach to and what we're trying to live out, what we're trying to do is answer what they call the dramatic question. And the dramatic question of all character building is, who am I going to be? Yeah. And we're always searching for that. When we're watching a movie, we're watching whether it's Buzz and Woody or Elliot Ness, we're wondering, they're going through this situation. Who are they going to be at the right. end? Who are they going to choose to be? Right. It's Walter White. Who's he going to choose to be? Will he go back and go through the medical system? Or will he continue to go down this thing that he's yearning for? Power actually is this thing that he loves more than anything. He doesn't right. want health. He wants power. And so we see who he's becoming. We may not like it, but holy crap, we're in for it because we're, it's transformation. It's change. Right. And so for you talking about becoming someone different mm -hmm. what you've been doing all this time 
is answering this question for yourself, Jacob, who am I going to be? And the difference is between your life and so many others is you made a really clear distinction. No more half measures. Correct. You know, I, I wasn't interested in simply becoming a better person. I was interested in mastery. Wow. That requires a very, very specific mindset. It requires a very specific attitude, energy, and of course, daily actions. And most people are simply not willing to do those things in order to have what they say they really want to have. Yeah. So what's conflict right now for you look like? As this this character who has developed and changed and is in this state of like, man, like I'm living this, I'm living in a state of mastery or learning it. What does conflict look like for you? Honestly, boredom. Hmm. <laughs> because with any skill, it's hard until it's not anymore. And it becomes super easy. Like, have you ever watched a sport and you're like, they make it look so easy. Mm -hmm. That's because it is. It is easy for them. Because they've achieved a level of mastery that they're able to execute upon their craft in a way that very few people actually can. Right. And, and this is why, you know, I literally have the name for my process that I take all of my clients through, which is called the rapid transformation process. Yeah. We are able to transform people in a way, at a level, to a degree, and at a speed that very few people are able to accomplish by virtue of what we're able to do with them. And so for me, honestly, conflict looks like, looks like boredom because it comes so easy to me at this point that I find myself needing to challenge myself in new and different ways. Uh -huh. And not in like this masochistic kind of like yeah, right. way, but the masculine grows through challenge. And so in order for me to continue to grow, because for me, growth is a lifestyle. I need to find something new and different to challenge myself with. Yeah. And when you achieve a certain level of mastery, that becomes difficult because it be, it needs to be that much more extreme. I just think that's so interesting to think of someone listening and even myself when you feel like, wow, yeah, this was hard. like, look how far I've come. Mm -hmm. And, and if I'm ever at a place where I feel like, ah, oh, just like, I don't need to show up today. Yeah. Like I like I used to, like, I can do this easily. I can show up for a session or I can just show, I can show up for a guest workshop and yeah, I can, I can prepare a little bit. If I get like, if I get to that point, I'm doing something like I need, you're saying I, I'm not at this, I'm not at the level that I need to be. I'm not pushing myself. That's the level of boredom, right? That's where you're like, if it's becoming too easy, it's because mm -hmm. I'm not pushing myself. And so when it gets to that point, do I tweak the workshop? Do I need to change right. something? I need to edit this. Maybe it's not good enough anymore. Like, or not, not good enough. It's just, could I make it better? Can I right. push myself so that therefore I can push others? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's what's really led me to do the work that I do today with, with men, because yeah. the vast majority of the men that I, I work with, um, find themselves where I found myself, which is, you know, having a very successful business, having a team to support me, being able to take an incredible amount of time off if I wanted to. Um, and so I found myself kind of bored. Yeah. And I asked myself, what do I really need to do to take my life, my business to the next level? And I was like, well, I know that I need to challenge myself and I need to force myself to get uncomfortable. Right? I need to change the conditions or create conditions that force me to rise to the occasion. Yeah. Right? And so that's what I did. And that's what I do with you know men now, because in my experience, they are super successful. 
and yet they know they're capable of so much more. They yeah. find themselves at a certain level of growth, but they know that so much more is available to them. Something's missing. Yeah, something's missing. This is, this, and I, I say that because as I'm thinking of your story, as as you've as you've shared it with us here, this is what it it seems like. Yours is a journey of essentially uh, from from missing to mastery. There's a sense of from the beginning, you're someone who, I mean, from that very first moment when you were left by your family, and then now right. there's this abuse situation, and oh, I'm there's something different about me that everybody else has and you go through that scenario you go through 20 years then of of career searching and trying things and always missing the mark in some way and feeling like I don't measure up you lean into this self-development thing and start to learn and discover that you've actually had it within you the whole time and now here you are helping other people who are feeling like something's missing to master their life and achieve uh, success like never before. Yeah, well, because my worldview, the basis for my worldview was around the identity of being someone who was abused. Yeah. So that became my identity. As you can imagine, it was an extreme assault on my self worth. So I started to make decisions and take action from the space of that identity, which ultimately caused me to be broke. At one point yeah. in time, I was homeless for 13 months, voluntarily homeless, but nonetheless, <clears throat> I couldn't afford my own apartment. Yeah, you know, I could have borrowed money, sure, you know, but I was in such scarcity and living from a place of so much fear that my results suffered in every area of my life. And it wasn't until, like you mentioned, I became a different person that I started making decisions from the space of who I was committed to becoming yeah. rather than who I am, that my life started to change dramatically. How would you, as we wrap this up here and land the plane a little bit, then if that was your identity, hmm. what is it now? How would you identify yourself now? The best high-performance coach in the world. It's different. Yeah. <laughs> right? So you look at these identifications that, that, like that, is, that alone is a transformation. Obviously, from how you see yourself, like let's just label this label to this label, significantly different. Correct. You know, and I realize that I am not there yet right like tony robbins is is got has got something on me like let's all be real and it's the identity that i am taking on uh -huh. now because your identity precedes your destiny say that again it's the identity I mean, that i'm taking on now <laughs> Because we don't need to edit it. I'm just saying that was so good. I want to hear that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because your your identity your identity precedes your destiny. So it's the identity that I am taking on now in order to eventually be that and become that. Well, did Elliot Ness get him? <laughs> Uh, he did on income tax evasion. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Exactly yep. what, how he wanted to. Well, it's um, funny, but he was willing to do whatever it took, though. Because if you remember towards the end of the movie, he, he didn't want to pursue that. Right? He wanted, to get, he wanted to get him on something extreme, right? Bootlegging, murder, racketeering, blah, blah, blah. Right? And if he had allowed his ego to win, he never would have got him because, you know, if you know anything about Al Capone, he had, you know, just he had every, you know, he paid his henchmen to do yeah. everything for him. So he never actually committed any crimes. He just, you know, his henchmen committed all the crimes. Mm -hmm. right? So he was never going to get him in the way that egoically he wanted to. 
So that conversation with Sean Connery came full circle at the end of the movie when he finally said, okay, let's pursue this. Let's, let's go after, you know, income tax evasion. Right. Because earlier in the movie, Sean Connery asked him, and then what are you prepared to do? Yeah. There's our life question. There's our dramatic question. If we're trying to answer, who am I going to be? I think we've got this. Okay. So someone's going to answer that. Someone's going to sit in front of you and say, this is who I'm going to be. And you're going to say, okay, what are you going to do to get there? And we're going to describe it. We're going to say, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to set up these boundaries. I'm going to do these things. And you're going to sit there and say, and then what are you going to do? That's when it gets real. A hundred percent. Yeah. We always decide in advance. We decide in advance what the outcome is going to be. And then we work backwards from there. Yeah. And to your point, ask the question of who do I need to be to get there? Yeah. Well, it's brilliant. We have talked, obviously, we've shared some of the best stories being told out there today. Uh, Thank you for sharing your story, for bringing us all the way through that and seeing that incredible transformation to get you to the point where you are right now as the best high performance coach in the world. Um, If somebody wants to get a hold of you and wants to start a conversation around really mastering their life and, and addressing what they feel like is missing, then what's the best way to contact you to get in touch with you, with you and start a conversation? Very good question. Um, because my Instagram recently uh, was disabled. (laughs) Uh, I know exactly. But, uh, the best way to find me at this moment would be on Facebook. Uh, you can find me under Jake Kaufman. Uh, but would love to connect with you there. Uh, my website's jacobkaufman.com. So my full name, K-A-U-F-F-M-A-N. Um, you can also sign up for my email newsletter there. Uh, but Facebook and, and my website are definitely the best places to find me at this moment. So good, Jake. There you go. And by the time this comes out, you know, Facebook is irrelevant. It's meta. Meta. Man, come Isn't on. Wild? <laughs> so look, we're all going through transformations, even the biggest company in the world. Um, I am so grateful for your time. I'm grateful for your insight here and for uh, all the conversations that we have and for how you've no doubt um, dropped some bombs and helped people today to take a step towards that and really ask themselves those questions. You know, what am I going to do? What am I really going to do now um, to reach this next level, to become someone different, to make the most impact? And I'm just so grateful. So good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you, Alex. Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street, and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation, so please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life, and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.